0: Sit down, strap in, and granny put your teeth in your pocket. Lead Lap Radio powered by HMS Motorsport, the leader in motorsport safety, starts now. Hello, everyone,
1: and welcome to the final live lead lap show of 2019 i can't believe i am saying that my goodness
2: it's wild ain't it it is already done
1: you know we're we're nine days from christmas i mean it's just unbelievable uh and we've managed to overbook this show tonight this is going to be awesome joining us in the studio right now is none other than sean martin one of the uh rising stars of the Dirt Car UMP modified series locally here in the Carolinas. And Sean is going to expand his horizons a little bit in 2020. He'll talk about that. Uh, We've also got coming up on the show a little later in the WSIC studio, Aaron Creed, the PR director for the Super Cup stock car series. They are definitely expanding their horizons for 2020. Very big announcement recently about Super Cup uh, and Aaron's going to talk about it uh, on the show here tonight. And we've also got later on in the program via the Strutmasters.com guest line, Kirk Ipock, the owner of Solid Rock Carriers, because Solid Rock Carriers just announced a two-year partnership with the Cars Tour as the series' primary sponsor. So uh, that's a big deal for both uh, the Cars Tour and also, of course, for Solid Rock. Uh, Kirk, an avid supporter of pavement late model racing in this area. And so he's going to be joining us uh, later on in the program as well. You may join us on the program if you would like. Uh, you can call us at 704-873-1400. 704-873-1400. 704-873-1400. If you'd like to call and chat with us um, and chat with our young guest uh sean martin sean it's great to have you on the show it's been a while since you and i have talked racing and uh we were both at the uh performance racing industry trade show over this past weekend which gave us a chance to catch up and an opportunity to say hey come on in and talk about uh your racing for a while and uh happy to have you here thank you for having me i'm happy to be here it's uh, It's been, I know it's been an interesting uh, season for you in 2019. In addition, to obviously, what you do on the racetrack, um, you spend your days working for Max Pappas at MPI. Um, I want to know, because Max is one of my favorite people. We had Max on a show, um, I think, two years ago at the summer shootout, and um, we gave Max a microphone and he basically just took off like he even have, he, max is one of these people that you you ask him a question and he just goes um one of the funniest interviews i ever did what's it like working day to day with max pappas
3: it's a roller coaster i mean it's exciting I bet <laughs> it's very exciting i mean it's cool to listen to some of the stories he's got and he's a very good teacher in a lot of different aspects from racing to life in general and it's a very cool deal
1: Yeah, I imagine it is. How did you get hooked up with that job?
3: It's a wild story. I mean, i like those on here. Do tell. I just graduated high school and got back from grad week. And I actually had a good friend of mine working up there. And I went in one afternoon just to see if, you know, they were hiring. I was on the job hunt and uh, they just happened to be hiring. And ever since then, I started working part of that summer. I was working half days and they asked me, was I good to go full time? And I told them I would. And ever since then, that's just been the story.
1: And what do you do there at MPI?
3: I do a little bit of everything, you know. Right now, we're only it's me, Max, his wife Tati, and our office lady Bobby. So it's basically a hands-on deal. And if anything needs to be done, everybody just sort of jumps in. I'm technically over the warehouse and do all that stuff. I get to travel to a bunch of different shows and see a lot of cool things.
1: That's awesome. Well, you were at uh, you were at PRI this past weekend, which for those who don't know, uh, PRI performance racing industry trade show is the largest motorsports trade show in the world. Um, People from all over the world show up. It is a huge deal and uh, you can literally walk your feet right off uh, at that show. It's just, it's a three day show that you need about a week and a half to adequately uh, take in and absorb. But um, what was the uh, show like for you guys this year?
3: It was chaos. I mean, it was a really good show and good to see everybody and see all the people that had interest in us and all the new faces and familiar faces. And I mean, overall, it was a really, really great show for us and a lot of good feedback from a lot of people all over the country.
1: Now, you were telling me that on Saturday, your coworkers left you all alone in the booth from like for like the last four hours of the show.
3: Yeah, they uh, flew out that afternoon. Max, he was sick and everybody else's flights were early and i brought the rig up there so i was in charge of bringing it back and man yeah it was chaos i mean to see that many people and trying to run back and forth and i was also trying to get in touch with some people i needed to for my racing so it was definitely a wild experience for sure
1: max you need to give this boy a raise (laughs) for doing that that's uh that that's like double overtime or something uh okay let's talk about your racing a little bit i want to know how you got started racing in the first place obviously I would imagine your dad racing the Modifieds and being as successful as he was um, probably didn't hurt anything. But um, how did you get started and when? How old were you when you started and what were you racing?
3: I started probably the day I was born. I mean, my dad won his first r- He won a race actually the night I was born. And really? I was the- yes, sir. That's cool. And the next weekend I was at the racetrack. And then ever since then it's all I've ever wanted to do. And I turned seven. I got my first go kart and I ran it for a handful of years and I just got tired of winning and they weren't fast <laughs> enough, so I was ready to move up.
1: How very Trump like I got tired of winning. That's uh that's interesting. Okay. Um so you went you I assume you were racing dirt with a cart. Yes, sir. Okay. And you went from the dirt cart straight to the modified? Yes, sir. Because I remember when I first met you, you were just a little kid, but I don't remember how old were you when you swapped over to the Modified?
3: I was actually 15.
1: Okay. See, I was thinking you might have been younger than that, but so you ran karts for about eight years then?
3: I quit there for a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, my dad, he ended up, he quit racing when I started go karts and then he started up racing when I quit the karting and we sort of had a plan. I was going to work into stock body cars and then go to the Modifieds and- I was accustomed to everybody in the modifieds, and they knew me, so my dad had the trust in them. So when I turned 15, he gave me my first ride.
1: And did he stop again at that point?
3: Yep. <laughs> he hung it up.
1: <laughs> so your dad gets, like, a, 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 an award for that, because I'm sure he would have liked to have kept going longer than he did, but, you know, he he obviously wanted to prioritize you and your career, so you want wanna go-kart? Okay, I'll just... Quit racing and devote all my time to you. And then, okay, you're not racing the go-kart anymore. Great. I'll get back in the car. And then, oh, gosh, you want to run them? Okay, fine. Here <laughs> it is. I'll quit again. Um And once he retired, I assume he hasn't, he just, did you two ever race together?
3: Unfortunately, we didn't. I'm still oh, hoping man. one day we get a chance to. I mean, hopefully here in the near future, it'll happen.
1: Well, if if you get, you were telling me earlier, maybe something about a second car.
3: Yeah, he's actually done made that comment about he could drive the, car from this year and i could drive the new one
1: there you go so we may have two two racing martins on the track at some point in 2020 um so when you first started racing the the modified after racing the go-kart what was that adjustment like because obviously you didn't get that sort of stock body transition like a street stock or whatever to sort of phase yourself up into the the full-size cars what was it like to jump in the modified for the first time after watching your dad do it all those years no less
3: it was a little nerve wracking at first. I mean, going from a couple hundred pound go-kart to a 2,400 pound race car <laughs> and all the suspension and stuff was pretty big. And my dad, knowing as much as he did at the time, sort of made the suspension as normal as he could. So it wasn't exotic as it would be being on full bar and stuff. The car's hiking up, slamming down and stuff like that. So he didn't sort of, he gave me a little bit of leverage as time went on. And sort of by the end of that season, we had worked our way in and he started letting me start on front rows and stuff and heat races, depending on how we drew. And uh, that la- that last race of that season was the Blue Gray 100 and actually got to run with Kyle Strickler and a lot of them guys up front. And that was a really cool deal, being my first actual full season in the Modifieds.
1: Yeah. And Kyle, I mean, he's a national class driver. You know, that's Kyle's one well of the best in the nation at these cars, and to be able to race with a a driver like him, I mean, it must have been a real thrill for you to be able to get out there. And then toward the end of the season, you actually started to show that you could compete well. When did you win your first feature?
3: It was actually in 2015, 2015. We come close a lot of many times, and it just something would always happen, or it was just the wrong deal, and what was meant to be was meant to be
1: and you finally got that win where was it
3: carolina speedway
1: and tell me about that race because i'm sure that that's like burned right into your brain what do you remember about it
3: well we were under ring delay there for a a while that night and finally they got the track rolled in and everything right and it all just sort of fell in place after that
1: and i mean did you lead most of the race or did was it kind of a late race pass or how what were the circumstances
3: yeah we started third and we got out front pretty early and just set the pace at that point and Basically just rode it out to the end of the race. So were you leading when the when they had the rain delay? Uh, actually, the rain delay came early. It was right after heat races and oh. downpoured.
1: I was going to say, because that's... I've talked to different drivers about rain delays, and, and they the, a lot of them say that they can deal with it unless they're leading. When you're leading, there's something about being the leader, and you have that rain delay, and it's like, ugh. I mean, how... How is this going to work? I mean, am I, are we going to finish this thing? I want to win. I'm out in the lead, you know. Um But it's that—that that must have been. I'm sure that was a real thrill for you. Um, Talk about some of the tracks that you've raced at over the years that you really enjoy.
3: Uh One of the favorite ones I've been to was probably this season was Tyler County. I've heard a lot about it and how different it was, basically setup wise and your driving style and. To go there this year, we went out early in the evening, and we weren't too good, and got a very good shot guy. I made a phone call, and he sort of put me on kill at that point, and we sort of started in the back on our twin 20 that Friday night and drove up through the field and put us in a good position to uh, roll into Saturday for the 15,000 to win. And? And, well... Saturday, we qualified fourth overall for the 15000 sat on the front row of our heat race, and got took out on the first corner.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> didn't even make the feature.
3: No, we actually oh. tried to piece it back together for our B main and just oh, didn't make man. it.
1: All right, we're going to have more with Sean Martin. We've got a full show here uh, coming up on League Lap. We've got Aaron Creed coming in after a while, and also we'll be talking to Kirk Ippock from... Uh, the new cars tour sponsor Solid Rock Carriers. Back with more of Lead Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, right
4: after this. in one of several entry-level positions but whatever you do don't wait these jobs will go fast call tim at 302-827-2054 that's 302-827-2054 lewis meineke car care center rev up your career
0: hi this is ross chastain you're listening to the race chaser radio now back to the show
1: Ross Chastain bringing us back. And Ross, of course, is uh, going to be driving for Colleague Racing next year as a teammate to Justin Haley, who is a, an avid modified racer when he's not running in the NASCAR series. Uh, welcome back to Lead Lap. Tom Baker, Sean Martin, and of course, we got James Mellick in the production chair. We just call him Red. James is a teardown specialist for LFR Uh, racing levine family racing when he's not here having fun with us snapping pictures and punching buttons um so we uh definitely are excited to have james with us of course and sean talking about a guy like justin haley when you when you see a driver like that that he's young and obviously he's he's made it to a certain level in the nascar series when you see that and then see him running at your local dirt track in a modified. Is that like a cool thing for you to be able to kind of get to know somebody like that? How well do you have you met Justin? Do you know him at all?
3: Yeah, I've met him a couple of times, not more on just a friend base kind of deal. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool deal. They race against some guys like that when we go racing out of town and stuff like that. We actually raced with him this past weekend at Friendship. He ended up getting the win, or actually two weekends ago now. Oh wow! And uh, there was a certain point in the race, me and him both were on the front row, and see.
1: That would be, I would think that would be really cool to be able to, to to race with somebody like that that you know you can you know you watch on Saturday and, and maybe eventually on Sunday. Does it give you any kind of hope or confidence that maybe that could happen for you someday as well?
3: Yeah, I mean, running against some guys like that definitely gives you more drive, especially when you see him when you roll into the racetrack, you know you want to beat that guy. The bigger the name, you want to beat him.
1: Well, and he's not a guy who pulls in with a huge pit crew and kind of sits around. Justin does a lot of his own work on that car. He doesn't have a lot of people who help him with it.
3: Yeah, I've seen him a couple of times. I mean, I watched him at Friendship and he had maybe two or three guys with him and I've seen him grinding tires and stuff like that. And, you know, to see that, that's really good.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely, he's he's a, he's a guest we always enjoy having on the show because he's got a good personality um, and he's a very humble kid. Uh, you know, it's, it's just fun to see. You see a lot of these guys that, you know, like your Kyle Bushes or whoever that'll go play in a pavement late model. But y- you don't see a whole lot of them going back to the local dirt tracks and playing on the dirt during the year. And Justin loves the opportunity to go do that um, and, and run shows with the modified. Is, is NASCAR even a dream of yours or are
3: you content to be where you are? I mean, it'd be pretty cool to do just for, to say you did it at some point in life, but um, my biggest dream is probably to run dirt full-time. Okay. That's what I've been accustomed to my whole life, dirt late model, something in that sort of nature, or running modifieds like Kyle Strickler and Nick Hoffman do all year round. I mean, that's a pretty cool deal if you could be able to do that and do that for a living, especially when you grew up doing it, and it's your life 24-7, to be able to just focus on that would be a really, really cool deal.
1: What? what is okay you're you're at a certain level here what does it take to get to kyle's kyle strickler level uh tongue went tied there for a minute what does it take to get to his level i mean what what is the is it simply money to have the resources or is is there something that you need to have in terms of skill set or whatever that you feel like you maybe don't quite have yet
3: I feel like nowadays, you know, between the technology and stuff that's gotten in, brought into the dirt cars. That's a really big thing. And I've been blessed to have the people I have work with me, as such as a Mike Abner, Abco Performance. He's been a very big help and put me in s- certain situations to get me to where I need to be. But I think money is always a big asset in racing, whether it be asphalt or dirt. It's obviously going to take you a very long ways. But on top of that, I mean, a lot of things is just seat time. That's your biggest thing. Going different places getting accustomed to certain tracks. Every track you go to is not going to be the same. Right. So that's a very, very big thing.
1: So being able to adjust from track to track. Now, this year for 2020, I should say, next year, you're planning on running more of a, a, almost an outlaw-type touring schedule. Um, talk a little bit about those plans.
3: Yeah, right now we're looking. We'd like to open up in Volusia. We'll see how everything goes here Ooh, at the start of the year. Speed weeks. Yeah, it's a very big deal, especially chasing a gator. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome yeah, to go down definitely. there. Whether it be a prelim night or the big night, to say you want it Volusia during speed weeks is a very, very big deal. And then after that, it's sort of just basically we'll hit a lot of the big shows throughout the beginning of spring, and it sort of dies down there for a little bit. So you try to hit some local stuff, which now local the mod stuff, if you're in the Carolinas, three the five hours away, which, I mean, isn't too bad. But if you want to race, you'll go.
1: Well, that's true, I guess, right? If you want a will go, but that does require, obviously, a little bit more in the way of expense because you've got more travel and obviously hotels or whatever. So um, it does cost a little bit more to do those touring shows. Um, do you feel like you can do those at a competitive level to run for wins?
3: Yeah, I mean, that was one good thing about this year it was uh, if I look back a year ago to now, was a very big improvement we didn't get to walk away with any hardware in 2019 but i feel like we definitely turned a lot of heads with our program and the things we've been doing and learn each race throughout the year basically to just better ourselves for the next race is the biggest thing you know we finished a uh, top five or top three in these big shows that's pretty big
1: when it is you, big
3: when you're running against david Stremi, kyle stricker a lot of these guys this, this is their job so that's always a good deal to hold your head high but at the end of the day you want to win
1: Well, when some of them actually build cars. I mean, it's not as if, you know, you're running against guys who just hold the steering wheel. Um, Some of these guys build their own equipment, and um, that makes a big difference, obviously.
3: Yeah, that makes a tremendous difference when you basically you have guys that can go out and test during the week and sit here and play with stuff and just try to improve their cars, whether they go run a local show and they're doing something totally different than they normally would, but at the end of the day, they might gain a lot more. Then us guys, this is basically our job that weekend is that one race. So we're putting all of our eggs in one basket. For sure.
1: Yeah. It makes a big difference. Uh, I mean, do you feel like at this point, what do you feel like is the biggest thing you've learned over your five or six years of driving the Modifieds? What do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned that's helped you to to progress to a, a threat to win on a regular basis?
3: Biggest thing has probably been mostly patience basically taking what the car will give you. And actually, Max Paff taught me that. He would know. Mm-hmm. He's had plenty of experience. And I mean, I'm still working into that. There's been nights nice this year. I could have been a little bit more patient and probably come out with a better result than I did. But I mean, it's just a part of racing, being young. And if you have an opportunity, you're going to take it. Versus a 40-lap race, you should probably sit back and take them early laps cool and just bide your time. And there were a couple nights this year that kind of didn't do that. And put ourselves in a bad situation but each race i learn i go back i watch a bunch of film and stuff and just try to pay attention to little things racetrack surfaces the way i'm driving the car i got good hey tongue got tied there yeah see we're even (laughs) one to one (laughs) going back to mike abner he's a very big asset he done a lot of stuff in nascar and stuff so he can watch a lot of my races and explain to me hey you should do hit this here Maybe we should try this next just by watching a video or looking at a picture. That's been a very, very big asset to me in certain senses of me basically growing as a racer.
1: Well, and the thing is, you would think in a 40 lapper, you know, people think, well, it's a sprint race. You know, patience really isn't much of a virtue there. But the truth is, on a dirt track especially, because the track can change throughout those 40 laps a little bit, but... Also, you know, somebody can be really, really good in the beginning of a race and then just totally lose it halfway through. So, like, it, it's almost on, on pavement, I would say, in 40 laps, you better go. But on the dirt, you can really just kind of massage it a little bit and, and, uh, and not be foolish in the first 10 laps or so and let things play out a little bit, right?
3: Yeah, just depending on usually track surfaces. I mean, if it's a one-lane racetrack, you sort of restart. You have to get up on the wheel and get what you can and then hope for another restart. But actually going back to Friendship the other weekend, we actually did did not have a good car in the qualifying or heat races. We didn't qualify. And uh, started about mid-pack and just sort of bided my time with the cautions, followed basically the way they did. And before you knew it, it was 10 or 12 to go. And we were sitting on the outside of the front row on a Delaware start and in contention for the win.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's about all you can ask for. You know, and there again, it's its being able to pass cars that makes the difference, obviously, on the dirt to a degree. Like you said, track surface plays a part. But when you get the surface that's favorable for that, the car has got to be right. You've got to drive it properly and, and kind of pick your your lines and your holes a little bit.
3: Yeah, a lot of that, I mean, if it's a top-to-bottom surface, you got to see first where your car works good. Right. If your car's not good on the bottom and there's a high side, maybe you can get up there and make it work. But when you get up there, you sort of got to be patient at some point. You know, the laps start to wind down and then you sort of get a little aggressive and you find yourself in the wall very, very quickly.
1: I almost compare a, a a bigger, wider dirt track that's multi-groove to super speedway racing in a way. Because it it is trying to figure out where best to put your car because not everybody's car is going to work best on the bottom or the top or even in the middle but you got to kind of find where it where it works whereas obviously with most pavement races you've got a one or a two groove track and that's all you got um i feel like dirt track racing can be a lot harder and require a lot more of the driver in terms of thought process during the race while it's going on because um again you've got all those choices and options and you've got to you had to kind of search around and figure out what's best for your car on that day.
3: Yeah, I was taking it back to Virginia Motor Speedway back in probably the beginning of fall. We had a very good car the first night, and track was pretty slick, but had a lot of moisture in it. It was rubbered up pretty good, and we were really, really strong on the bottom. And it was a passing points kind of deal night, and we run second in the first heat race. And the second heat race, we had to start in the rear, and we were all the way up to fourth and ended up getting took out and had to run a concy, well, we drove the high side all the way to the wind in the concy and turned around in the feature and it was basically the track had basically went all the way back to the bottom. And before you knew it, halfway into the race, guys were back up top, but we'd already planned for the bottom. So we were just pretty stuck with the adjustments we made on the car and stuff. So that's a very, very big thing to track, basically changing throughout the night and...
1: There again, examples of uh, how you got to play the cards right. And it can be a lot trickier than a lot of people realize on dirt for sure. Back with more with Sean Martin and plenty more to come when Lead Lap Radio, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, continues after this.
4: or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way
1: hms motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety hms serves a majority of nascar indycar and emsa weathertech teams as well as countless scca and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout north america Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert helmets, Schroep belts, Adidas suits and shoes, Olero fireproof underwear, Lifeline fire systems, and even RaceCom radio kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget.
8: Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening
1: to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Reed's always so energetic. Welcome back to League Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Motorsport.com. want to uh, say a special thanks to our other uh, two major partners here in the Race Chaser family, Strutmasters, the Suspension leaders uh if you need anything to do with uh suspension you want to soften your ride either in your car or on your motorcycle strut masters can take care of that for you just uh, go to their website strutmasters.com or uh give them uh get give chip lofton and or his staff a call And uh, they'll be glad to help you out. And also mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. If you are looking for a change in career or maybe a first career, IT might be it. It's one of the fastest growing fields and is going to continue to grow very steadily through the 2020s. There are over 2 million cybersecurity jobs in this country unfilled right now. And you could be on your way to filling one of those in as little as four months with My Computer Career training. Just go to the website, mycomputercareer.edu, take the free career evaluation test. They do have a uh, financial aid available if you qualify, including the GI Bill. And they also work with hundreds of employers to help place you when your training's over and you're ready to be out in the workforce. So mycomputercareer.edu is training. For a Better Life. Yeah, hello, we,
2: James. Hello, yeah. We need a uh, person for reboot around here from time to time. We have Mr. Jacob Seelman with us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jacob every once in a while you got to reboot Jacob don't you yeah, yeah you got to give him a
2: little bit of a reboot yeah
1: he just kind of uh, uh again we we've we've actually had once each tonight where both Sean and I needed a reboot needed Re- a needed um, one as well i almost needed
2: one right there yeah i well, almost needed uh,
1: one you know the tongue gets tied once in a while and see y'all laugh but when you're saying a name like Kyle Strickler oh yeah it's a tough one you got to be careful with that it's just like when i was at Batesville this year announcing the National Indoor Kart Championship we had a racer whose name was Bull Smith. You got to watch oh, yeah. yourself with
2: that. You say that too fast. It yes. Sounds, <laughs> it if you sound don't sound enunciate that
1: one correctly, yeah, that could be trouble. So as an announcer, you, you got to learn to. So, yeah. Uh, so, Sean, I know that you've spent the majority of your career, practically all of it, in, in modifieds. But I heard you mention late models earlier. Is that something you actually have an interest in doing, or have you done any that I just don't know about?
3: Yeah, it's actually an interest I've had. I haven't got to do any. Hopefully, we can maybe line some stuff up this year and maybe jump in a couple of rides every now and again and see what we got. You know, I feel like late models and modifieds are the top premier levels of dirt racing, and I feel like... You do? hmm
1: I know some sprint car folks might argue with that.
3: Yeah, sprint cars are pretty big, too. I feel like, now that you say that... <laughs> three, I figure they are the three primary.
1: I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just putting that out there.
3: It's just as if, I mean, NASCAR's got Xfinity trucks and Cup. See, I don't
1: think it's a stepladder, though. I don't think there's like, I think, modified Late Models, and Sprint Cars, to me, are even, I think it's just dependent on the level at which you do any of them. So, in other words, there's obviously a big difference between the 305 Series that runs the Carolinas Sprint Cars and... The World of Outlaws, right? So, you know, what you're running as UMP is actually a national sanction. You're just running it at a local level, regional level. But, of course, the higher you, you go, much like in a late model, if you go run Lucas Oil, or you go run, you know, World of outlaw late models, that's the very best competition.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that. It also de- depends on where you come from, too. Right. Uh, the more you go up towards the northeast where you're from, it's more uh, the modifieds.
1: Well, they have the yeah, they have the super yeah, dirt car, like big you guys blocks are the up, up there, big yeah. block
2: modifieds. More towards the Midwest where I'm at, it's more of the USAC stuff, yeah, uh, with the midget Sprint, Silver Crown stuff like that, and then World of Outlaws all over the place. But yeah, it pretty much you know, um, of course, what you're racing and where you're from.
1: Pennsylvania is big time sprint car country too. Yeah, you know everybody underrates the posse, the PA posse, and when the outlaws go there, it seems like every year somebody from the posse bites him at least one time
2: yeah. They always and find then a
1: everybody way. acts surprised like this hasn't happened before it happens almost every year you know those guys are those guys are tough hombres you go to williams grove and that is as competitive of a sprint car field as you will see anywhere in this country you know you may not know all the names but they are big time competitive so but you have an interest in the late models you want to do obviously i guess you would be more the the super late than the crate late but would you do either i mean
3: If the right ride came about, I would definitely, if somebody offered me a crate ride, I definitely would take it basically to get started in the late model stuff and get accustomed to a a lot of different things. I've heard certain different things where they're a little bit different than what I'm used to in the modified. Uh, Sure. Yeah. But I feel like. wider. Exactly right. And I feel like basically that's a good stepping ladder to get to the super stuff, which we all would like to do one day as a dirt racer. And I feel like hopefully one day it'll happen.
1: How would you describe yourself as a racer?
3: A little too aggressive at times.
1: See, when you're on a radio show and the host asks you a question like that, you're supposed to go to the positive, not straight to the negative. Because that's not helping the car owner who has a crate laid out there who might want to give you a shot. You're going, well, I'm a little too aggressive at times.
3: But sometimes that's a good thing. (laughs) It just depends on, you know, where you're at and different parts of, the region, track surfaces, where you're starting well, in the race.
1: That's also true.
3: That could be a good thing or it's a nice bad thing. Nice save.
1: That was a good save. You were really close to a goal being scored on you there, <laughs> and you, you just saved it at the last minute because that was a tough one. Um, no, thats I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's—it's, it's, And the thing is, is I think when you're young, like you are, you're what, 21? Yes, sir. I think when you're 21, I think you're, you're very aggressive. I think, you know, as you get older, you kind of learn – how to control that aggression, you know, and, and some of the best racers I've ever seen. I mean, I go back to, of course I'm a seventies kid. So I go back to Bentley Warren, who was one of the top open wheel drivers of the country and Bentley could run dirt, but he just didn't have as many opportunities to do that. He was mostly a pavement ran supers and sprint cars and midgets and whatever have you. And indie cars got made a few starts to the 500, but um, you know, Bentley always, I mean, the old days—that's how you drove. For example, a supermodified, you drove it very aggressively. You drove it off the right rear, you know. And that's how Bentley learned to drive, and he was always that way. But but over time, especially in a longer race, he learned how to manage the car, and he became a master at, at at longer races because of that fact. I think as you get older, you kind of find that balance and learn, you know, a little bit about how to just be on the edge without without crossing it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I look at some scenarios, basically, we go to, basically, we run some day races and stuff a handful of times a year, and we go there, and it's sort of, first time I ever turned laps in a race car, it was on a day track, after they'd run a big super late model race down at Gaffney, so you're looking at a black racetrack, you gotta be patient, you're already slow learning, and I feel like now, we go places, and when I'm in certain scenarios like that, I sort of figure it out really quick, and don't step on my shoes,
1: Well, that's a that's a good idea. Uh, And the more you the more you develop that sense of patience, I think, too, it's almost when you can when you can pull that all together, it's almost a confidence boost because, you know, that you watch the guy go by you on lap three screaming at, you know, all out flat out. And you just kind of look and go, I'll see you later, you know, and that's when you you sort of make that transition from the young buck trying to to lead every lap to the guy that says, look, I only need to lead the last one.
3: And you're exactly right on that. And, I mean, it's took a little bit of time for me to figure it out, and I'm still learning at times to manage my tires and stuff like that because, I mean, that's a very big thing in dirt racing. If you're on a slick racetrack, if you don't protect that right rear or left rear, it'll bite you in the butt about halfway towards the end of the race. And next thing you know it, you've done got a half straightaway lead and you're back to fifth place. The closing laps of the race
1: well yeah that's for sure i mean it's a it's a tough like i said dirt track racing tough. people don't people that don't do it or they think well you know the, the the i have a lot of i call them payment snob payment snobs and you know dirt is for farming or whatever which you know it's like okay well that doesn't make any sense but whatever um and and there are there are the dirt snobs that you know little asphalt's for getting there and dirt is for racing and you know so we have we have those on both sides the truth is though that car control on a dirt track is everything and it's so easy to cross that line like you said and burn up the right rear and you're done
3: yeah i mean there's a lot of times the simplest hanging the tail out and qualifying just for a split second could cost you two to three tenths so then just that simple little bit of lost control and You go from starting in the top five to top 12. Okay, so
1: I know that you can't do all of this by yourself. So who helps you make all this happen?
3: Uh, Probably the biggest help with me is probably my dad. I mean, we both work normal jobs, eight to five every day, but probably from 630 to midnight. I don't know if
1: working for Max Pappas is a normal job.
3: It's really not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Max's favorite two words, I'm Italian.
3: (laughs) Exactly Um, right. He's great. He's an Italian redneck most of the time. Max is great.
1: Um. Okay. I'm sorry. I cut you off there. You I just fine? had to eject. Who else you want to thank? And you can include your sponsors too.
3: Uh, my dad. like I said my dad. <laughs> my mom's the biggest help. My dad. There's a lot of long nights. Aggression took out in shops, and uh, but other than that, we have a couple guys that help us out. Uh, Matthew Mullis, Corey Henson. They're usually our shop regulars. They tend to help out any day of the week when we need them. And uh, a lot of my spo- I want to thank all my sponsors. Uh, Travis Creech and Plumbing and Septic. Uh, they're at, based out of Fayetteville and uh let's see draymar motorsports out of gastonia north carolina they're a very big help in anything we need as long as earl ramey racing engines he definitely applies enough power to us
1: earl knows how to build motors oh he yeah he's one of the best i've ever seen at building he's, a dirt motor
3: he turned out being one of my dad's engine builders and then a good fan of fri- uh tongue tied again a good family friend over the last couple years and took me under his wing over a lot of things and uh i also want to thank uh, mpi max pappas uh, Moss Logging in Tennessee, uh, Fat Man Fab, which a- is actually my dad building bodies. He's built enough over this year. And uh, Diamond Select, they build pretty good race cars, and that's about it.
1: You, so the Diamond Select chassis, why Diamond Select for you? Obviously, there are some pretty good choices out there, including some good local builders. Why Diamond Select?
3: It's a toss-up. I mean, we've actually, we actually met them through uh, Ron Hornaday and uh we grew a good friendship with them and it's one of them deals once you get it working right you can about get anything working right when you have the right people with you and uh basically just over time we've got to a strong point and we've outrun a lot of them big guys so it's one of them ones why would i get what everybody else has when i could have my own
1: well that's that's uh, an interesting way to look at it because then you get all the attention and nobody else is on it well it's been fun to have you sean and look forward to doing this again uh, at some point as we get the season started uh, and, you know, we wish you all the best in 2020 and, and also obviously a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and your family as well.
3: Thank you, Tom. I'm glad to be here. And it was a great show. And I look forward to seeing y'all back again. Definitely. Sean
1: Martin, we're going to step aside when we come back. We've got more, much more actually to go. A couple more guests yet. And some motorsports conversation between James and I. Back with more. Lee Lap on Performance Motorsports Network and WSIC TV.
8: At what age and size should a child start using a
7: booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Back to League Lap presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. And you should, because you want to be as safe as possible. Uh, I want to thank Sean Martin for taking some time to drive up from Charlotte and be on the show. And uh, also uh, want to take this opportunity to, uh, again, thank the folks from HMS Motorsport. Uh, they have been uh boy, they, they have been amazing supporters of what we do here at uh, race chaser. And we are always grateful for them. Had the chance to uh, spend some time with them at uh, the PRI show over the weekend. And I know it was a successful show for them. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. If you need anything in the realm of driver safety gear, helmets, belts, seats, Suits, shoes, gloves, underwear, uh, all of it uh, is available at HMS Motorsport, and it's not just about them selling you stuff. They're experts in the safety field. They actually work with a lot of the uh, the major series and help develop a lot of the SFI specs. So uh, it's very important what HMS does for uh, the racing industry, and it's... An opportunity to segue into some sad news that uh, came across our desk here today. Bill Simpson, a former IndyCar driver who became one of the sports pioneers in safety and one of the greatest innovators of motorsport safety products, uh, passed away at the age of 79 following a stroke Um And that's, uh, gosh, I mean, I feel like we can spend an entire show and still completely understate the impact that Bill Simpson probably had on this industry because there's no way to adequately measure it. How do you measure lives that weren't lost accurately because of the safety equipment that he developed? Um, it's. It's just unbelievable. In, in in a little bit about Bill. Um between 1968 and 1977 he made 52 starts in an IndyCar. His best finish, sixth place at Milwaukee in 1970 and um he also was a drag racer before the Indy car career started and it was actually in that vein that he uh first developed his interest in safety he had a bad crash in 1958 that left him with a pair of broken arms and um of course many of you may not know that it was bill who developed the idea of the safety parachute in in uh, drag racing and it was big daddy don garlett's adoption of that system that became a catalyst for it just kind of going uh industry-wide um gosh helmets fire suits gloves shoes um Unbelievable Nomex stuff. He was the first one to develop Nomex uh, suits in the 1967 Indianapolis 530 of the 33 starters used Nomex suits. Um, And, of course, uh, you know, the the big thing for Bill was, you know, he used to set himself on fire to prove how effective his products were. That's a very
2: trusting (laughs) guy. I mean, (laughs) if you build a product, obviously, you should trust it. And uh, for somebody who's going to set himself on fire in his own equipment... Yeah. Proves to you how safe something is because he trusts yeah. his stuff that much. Absolutely. I mean, that's what my parents put me in when I was a young man and I started driving in Indy. Um, I had Simpson helmet, Simpson fire suit gloves, yep. everything I had back in the 90s because this was the name of safety Simpson in the 90s.
1: It was. Yeah. My first helmet when I started karting was a Simpson bandit. And uh, that was that was the thing back then. And uh, I mean, I ended up My last time it was a Bell, but that was only because it had a much wider sort of face on it for the glasses. But, um, I mean, he was just, Bill was certainly, I would argue he was the original pioneer. And in fact, uh, uh, something I didn't know, he was the one who kept badgering NASCAR into developing what what we have now as, as crumple zones in the cars to help absorb energy during impacts. Um, So, you know, Bill Bill's impact on the sport crossed a lot of lines. And of course, he left his own company eventually, um, you know, after the whole sort of Dale Earnhardt um, situation, which it, it turned out that what Dale died from was a basilar skull fracture, which, again, was due to adequate inadequate head neck restraints had nothing to do with the the belt that was cut dale installed his own stuff um and so he ended up he left and formed the company impact uh safety products and uh you know bill is bill is forever going to be remembered as as one of the if not the original safety pioneer in the sport and his impact's going to go on forever. Because again, how do you measure? You know, if somebody's using all his gear and and survives a fire, or doesn't get burned as badly, or how do you how do you go back and research and quantify all of the net effect that that all had? Um, it's just he has two books out: uh, Racing Safety, Living Dangerously, and Through the Fire. Uh, and according to com, a celebration of his life is being planned for this May at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. Details are pending. Bill Simpson passing away at the age of 79 following a stroke. And man, it's
2: a big loss. And yeah. I can't think of a better place to do it than Indianapolis for that guy. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned, ran the Indy 500. Yep. Uh, and saved so many lives. I mean, think back in the '60s or not the yeah '60s, '70s, '80s, all yeah. that stuff. All these guys who were severely and uh, hurt or in these big crashes, and he could have potentially saved lives yeah. with just an injury. Yeah. And like you said, you can't measure that. You can't no. measure lives saved. No, you can't so.
1: measure the net effect of of what didn't happen. You know. But we know that it was a huge net effect. I mean, yeah. obviously, so uh again we our our prayers and our condolences go to not only bill's family and loved ones but all of those who uh were touched or affected by he or his products over over all those years all those decades and um his presence is certainly going to be missed, oh, yeah. uh, but his legacy will surely live forever in now, this sport.
2: Now, do you know? I don't know this, so I'm asking you. Do you know if he has any sons or daughters that are interested in this know. safety uh, uh, no. equipment stuff as much as he was? I don't know. I uh, I do not know that that I don't would know be either. something
1: worth looking looking to see into. if they want to yeah. continue
2: the push and drive but into it just as much as he did. Obviously, there are many
1: like the folks at HMS Motorsport who have sort of picked up that that ball and have run with it. Yeah. Um, and you need people in this sport that are rabid about that because obviously. The cars are getting faster. The technology is getting better to where, you know, but I don't care. You know, you hit a wall at 200 miles an hour. You know, I mean, yeah, we NASCAR had had a death since 2001. But goodness gracious, that's that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. And it's because of all of this advancement in safety technology. And, you know, you just got to have people that are constantly, especially at the short track level, because I feel like. I feel like we've got a long way to go at the short track level to, to yet develop proper technology at each track, whether it's barriers or whether it's, you know, car construction. I mean, we just had a fuel cell come out of a car, yeah. um, you Maybe. know, at the Derby. And, and because of that, Justin Bonnet has severe burns because, you know, it leaked and, and caught fire. And um, I mean, it's, that just shouldn't happen no should not you know so we we've we've got to do better and i feel like bill was was certainly the first or among the very first who were just totally focused on that idea that you you can't accept failure yeah. in the safety realm you just can't
2: and nascar shows how much safety means to them yes when you go to a even just a nascar test so you go to just a test um they don't tech the entire car like they like they do at the race. Right. They just tech certain things and right. look at certain stuff to make sure of this. But they do a full safety inspection if it's a NASCAR sanctioned test right. because they understand how important safety is for that driver, even though it's a test. Yep. It's still just as important because they can get hurt at a test or they can get hurt in a race just as bad.
1: Well, and, and now for 2020, they're even going to be looking closer at the embroidery on the suits because there are certain treatments now that drivers are are giving to um, the the suits with their sponsor logos that are uh, that NASCAR is concerned about because they can diminish the uh, retardancy of the suit, the flame retardancy of the suit. So NASCAR is is going to get more strict on that um, starting in 2020 as well. And I'm happy that, you know, time, I don't think you can ever be too strict on safety. And I think you know, it's just it's always, I always, it it frustrates me a little bit when I see drivers that are cheating on safety, and not doing everything they can in order to buy tires, for example. Well, if if I buy all this, I won't have enough money. Well, look, if you got to skip five races, but save your brain. I mean, especially if you've got a family, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of important. What are you doing? You know. So uh, again, we we will all miss Bill, but we what he what he brought to the sport and 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 the how awareness he changed yeah the awareness and and his diligence in that that part of it um that will continue on uh through other people for a long long time to come so um you know again uh in a in a show that otherwise you know our last live show of the year um you know that the, that was uh that was the bad news for the day the rest is all good news uh we obviously are uh Only about halfway through this show, we've got in the second hour coming up in just a couple of moments, Aaron Creed from the Super Cup Stock Car Series is going to be joining us. They have got some major things going on for 2020 in that series. Uh, We've also got Kirk IPOC joining us as well. Kirk, uh, one of the the very top, uh, most supportive sponsors of pavement late model racing all over the Carolinas. And he's just uh, put together a Whopper. He is now uh, the primary sponsor, the presenting sponsor of the Cars Tour for the next two years uh, with Solid Rock Carrier. So uh, we will be back to talk with both of those gentlemen right around the turn. You
6: are listening to or watching League Lap. Back in a moment.
8: This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
0: Hi, this is Tyler Ankrum, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Well, Tyler is correct. You are listening to Race Chaser Radio. This is Lead Lap, and we do this show every week from the WSIC studio in statesville north carolina the home of race chaser media these days and uh my name is tom baker and joining me as members of the no no hair club for men uh <laughs> club is aaron creed the uh pr director for the uh super cup stock car series Then we got james mellick over there who uh has to gel his hair before he goes on oh, yeah. camera every
2: week. Got to look nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't do it today. I kind of thought about it, and I was like, um, I don't really want to do it right now. So well, took the night off. I'm going to get a haircut tomorrow. So I got to look nice when I go see the family back in Indiana here in a few days. I
1: did that today. I walked in, and, and, and the, uh, the the girl at Great Clips goes, wow, your hair is long for you. I said, yeah, you're <laughs> Exactly. I've gotten <laughs> used
0: to the no prep. Uh, style. Oh, see, I <laughs> yeah. love it. Nice. That's,
1: I, the shorter the better for me. One of these days, I'm just going to cut it all off. But anyways, uh, Aaron, welcome back to the show. We had you on uh, a while back in the fall. But since then, um, many good things have been happening for the uh, Super Cup Stock Car Series. Uh, the biggest one, arguably, is the latest announcement that you are going to Lucas Oil Raceway Park. Um this summer. I think it's June 20th.
0: That's correct. I got that
1: right? Okay, man. I love it when my brain works right. <laughs> um, June 20th, and I'm actually gonna I gotta see if I can make this show because this is a show to end all shows for short trackers on pavement. It's the Super Cup stock car series, the Must See Racing Sprint Car Series. And the Midwest super modified series along with, um, a compact car Mm -hmm. series,
0: Midwest compacts.
1: Compacts. Okay. I was going to say that. And then something said, no, that's not right. Should have just said it and trusted myself. But I mean, that is a family four pack, at least in my book, that is a family four pack to end all family four packs. If you're going to go to a racetrack and see a big show on a three quarter mile (laughs) racetrack.
0: Yeah. and, And once again, thanks for having me back on the show. And, uh, yeah, we just uh, we were part of that announcement on Wednesday night as the PRI show began to kick off, and uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, uh, promoter Mike Moore is uh, really looking forward to putting on this event. He's promoted some drag racing events at the Lucas Oil Raceway in the past, and not only is it those four series that are taking place on the Oval... And uh, the one that I'm pretty excited about, in addition to Super Cup, is the Mussy Sprints because it's going to be a non-wing yes. show. Um, Have with you little ever fu- seen
1: the Mussy? Oh yes. Okay. Yes, I was gonna they're, say.
0: They're, they're they're fun to watch. That's for sure. That and, is the ultimate. And and, and payment sprint they're going to be running, I think, the Little 500 type rules. And I've been to the Little 500 once. Not going to be 500 laps, <laughs> but it's going to no. be it's going to be thrilling. That's for sure. But what I was getting to is. Um, not only is the Saturday, there's going to be a Saturday great show on the oval for top notch touring divisions. Um, but there's going to be racing on the drag strip, um, actually Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, there's going to be a car show. There's going to be a swap meet. There's going to be things for, there's no way you can compare, compare Indianapolis to what happens in May, but it's going to be a pretty significant weekend. It's father's day weekend. So you can bring dad out and, uh, have them enjoy anything that has anything that has a motor, pretty much. Well, <laughs> it's a diverse
1: group of series, yes, that are running there. I mean, you've got the two fastest types of open wheel short track cars. Actually, the two fastest short track divisions on the planet: the asphalt sprints and the asphalt supermodifieds. Um, you know, there are no faster cars on a short track than those two uh, particular types of cars. And then you got a a group of compacts that sounds like it's probably a pretty robust touring series, I'm guessing, out there. And then yourselves is the Super Cup stock car series, which I feel is the ultimate Saturday night short track series. It's a throwback to how, for example, the Bush series used to be all those years ago before it all went, you know, really big time and they all ended up on these, Big super speedways and you know all of that happened. Um, a Very diverse lineup that night. I feel like there's a little something for everybody.
2: Yeah, I'm just happy to see that they're getting racing back there because that's where I grew up watching racing. When I um, when I was a little boy, I used to go there and watch the sprint cars run around there. ARCA and then the weekend stuff with the late models. And then in, even the uh, one time a year they brought the trucks in the at the time I believe they called it the Bush cars uh, were running there. I used to go to that yeah, stuff being used to a run, young boy. Yep, um. And I'm just happy to see that they're actually taking stuff back to that track because it's just created great racing, and great memories for me ever since I was little.
1: Well, I have a special memory of what was then IRP. Um, back in, I think it was 95, uh, they had the East-West Super Modified Showdown. And I got to go out there as the announcer for the East Coast Supers, for the East, basically. And then they had a guy from the West as well. So there were two of us um, calling the action. And I mean, that was incredible because first of all, it was my first time going to that track. And I didn't realize how big and fast it was. And the race ended with a typical Bentley Warren last lap, you know, go to the inside and, and try to, you know, in this case, I think he actually went to the outside and, the The guy that was leading for the West Coast cars, um, he he pinched him just enough so that kind of he couldn't square off the way he need to, and it just enough an momentum and Bentley beat him to the line, and went on. He he had he won the the little 500 that year as well. I mean, to that race was and the crowd was packed, oh, yeah. and we had. Um, I remember James Garner, who played in the Rockford Files, was there. I met him. That night in the tower, he came up with Dan Gurney, and I asked James because he had done some sports car racing. I said, "Would you ever, you know, would you ever want to get in one of these supermodifieds?" And he just kind of laughed. He said, "Oh no," he goes, "These guys are nuts, (laughs) you know." Um, But he, he, they enjoyed the show. I mean, it was, it was, that was a big deal back then. So to to have this show that you've got going there, I mean, that's a great way to. Uh, I would think, to really get the word out about the series. And hopefully, because I know there are a lot of those cars in that that part of the world, of course, you know, you run Salem. Yeah. Um, so now going to, you know, if you could develop some ties in that part of the country, that could be big for the series. Yeah, and, and it,
0: that's exactly what we're trying to do. Um, we have, you know, there's so many steel-bodied stock cars that um, folks have you know probably, yeah. probably throughout the country but definitely in the midwest and uh we're we're trying to you know i wouldn't say tap into the market but you know there's there's racers that want to go racing i was gonna say and
1: you've got a market you, you're trying to expand yeah, it
0: yeah we're, we're basically yeah. uh trying to expand into that area for some racers that have shown interest to us um and you and we say you know it if you're interested and you show up, we're gonna put races there. And we had, you know, when we went to Salem for the first time last year, we had four drivers from that yeah. general area make their series debut, which is, which is great for going into kind of new territory.
1: How many uh, cars total did you draw for that?
0: Um, we only had a dozen for that one. Yeah. Um, with some of the regulars, especially when you get into the summertime. Uh, the race before that, I think we had a few that blew engines and stuff like right. that and just couldn't make the trip, unfortunately. See, that's the we hard had more part that wanted to. But. Because
1: you want to bring at least, you know, 16 to 20. Yes. Okay, but when you have a tough race before, I mean, you can't control circumstances, but the more that you can keep putting yourselves out there, and that becomes a regular thing, the more that the opportunities there that... People in that area will bring out those cars. Okay, now we got two shots yes. to run with them in that, that area.
0: That's exactly you know, right, and and we're confident that we're going to have a draw for that event at Lucas Oil Raceway. Um, we're absolutely thrilled that we get to go there. Um, we've already had interest from anywhere from the Midwest to New York uh, competitors see, that said, wonder, "I've always dreamed about going there." I'm really pumped for this kind of a deal. See, I wonder
1: how many how much participation you might get. As NASCAR takes over ARCA and some of those teams maybe decide to go do other things, I wonder how much you know that may add a, a car or two to, to the field because a lot of those guys are based out in that area that run the ARCA series on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, correct. And and we have some that are going to continue running both. Uh, the Kimmels, uh, okay. Will, Will and Bill Kimmel, they're going to be running Good. some ARCA races and they're also going to be running some Super Cup races. So we're not really... Out there to compete with the other series we're all in this together, right um but right. we want to have an avenue for some folks that just can't make that step to you know upgrade their sure. equipment and whatnot and uh but still want to go racing in in a stock car
1: well you're sort of the the i feel like super cup is positioned as the budget version of an arca series um you know or what was formerly known as N. K&N. I mean this is an opportunity to go racing in a full-size stock car that that is basically an ARCA car um, or, you know, that type of a car, a heavy stock car for a fraction of the price that you would be if you were, you know, going to run those series. I mean, you know, you can run a full season of, of Super Cup for you know, well less than a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, 50 to a hundred thousand, depending on, I mean, obviously there's a little more travel this year with the trips to Indiana whatever, Mm -hmm. but still keeping it very reasonable as compared to, you know, the, the million dollar cost that it takes to go run, you know, the full Arca series or whatever. Um, So I feel like there's kind of a, a, a price point there. And I feel like you guys are the Saturday night short track equivalent of that.
0: Yeah, correct. I mean, we have, all of our shows are one day shows. Occasionally we'll have a Friday practice that's optional, but um, they're one day shows. Everyone gets in, you know, early afternoon to register and practice. We have a couple quick practice sessions, you know, nothing more than 30 minutes normally. Um, And then we limit it so that you have to qualify and run both, uh, we usually do a twin race format, 50, 50 or sixty laps, and uh, you have to qualify and run both of those races on the same set of tires. Obviously, you can change them if you, you know, get a, flat, a flat or, or something level. like yeah. that, or, or, or you know, damage, cuts down right. a tire, flat spot, anything like that. But um, we try to keep um, the uh, costs down. Um, we run on an American racer, um, hard economical tire. Hockey but, puck. <laughs> but that's what keeps things um, that's exactly that's right. what keeps things pretty we even though more
1: series to run hockey pucks again yeah it'll put the racing back in the driver's yeah, makes, hands
0: makes the driver have to wheel it through the corners right. and uh takes the uh you know oh i have more power in my engine than than that guy's out of the equation for the most part
1: we're gonna talk more with Aaron creed when We continue. You are listening to or watching Lead Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety, and we
4: will be right back.
2: but it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today, and be ready for the challenges tomorrow.
1: This
0: message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is Lee Lab presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. I am Tom Baker. This gentleman next to me is Aaron Creed, the PR director for the Super Cup Stock Car Series. And we have James Mellick handling the production quite capably once again this evening. Here on Race Chaser Radio, and we appreciate you listening to us. Whether you're doing so live on the Performance Motorsports Network, or maybe you're watching us live on WSIC TV 25.2 in Charlotte, uh, or of course if you're hearing this on demand on one of your favorite podcast platforms, doesn't matter how. We just appreciate that you found us, and we hope you enjoy it, and we'll keep coming back. This is our final live lead lap show of the year. Uh, We take the next couple weeks off to celebrate Christmas and New Year's with family. We will be back uh, in January. Uh, This Lap show returns, I think it's the 6th of January on a Monday night. Um, So uh, we hope that all of you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Aaron, uh, we talked about the big show, uh, what I would consider to be the big show of the year for you guys, uh, which is going to be at Lucas Oil Raceway Park in June of next year. But... You've got several other shows, including a show at Salem. Talk about, I know you haven't got all your shows yet lined up for 2020, but what can you tell us about the schedule so far?
0: Well, we're about 80% full uh, with the schedule so far. We still have a couple dates to potentially announce. We're in talks with a couple facilities. Um, it's, for the most part, the rest of the schedule is kind of, for the, <laughs> closely resembles where we went in 2019. That's not a bad um, thing no not at all and that, that's always is good. good yeah consistency's you good know? it's good to have tracks that you know yep. ask us um oh we had a great show in 2019 we'd like to have you back in 2020 um we have uh we we'll are be for the uh, once again this year we're going to be beginning and ending the season at dominion raceway okay. in thornburg virginia right off i-95 uh north of richmond um that one's always exciting there those races are always twin 60s um so a little bit of a lar- uh, longer distance, but that's a fast track too. It is very yeah. fast. Uh, yep. fast four tenths mile, fairly new. Um, so the, it, unlike some of the other tracks we go to, the surface isn't very worn out. So right. they can kind of go all out there. Um, we have uh, a May date that's currently in the works. Um, and then on June 6th, we'll be going to Shenandoah Speedway in Virginia. Uh, last year, In June, we had a very successful race there. Um, We had 20 cars there at the Shenandoah race. And uh, um, last year, it was the Veterans Classic. Still some of the details regarding what this event for 2020 is going to be about um, is still to come. um, But we'll have more on that soon. Then there, June 20th, like we were talking about, Lucas Oil Raceway in Indiana. Um, Then in July, we have our annual first stop at Jennerstown Speedway. Always a popular stop for Good. both our competitors and also uh, the fans. Uh, they packed them in there at Jennerstown Speedway. I know you've been there as well. Oh,
1: yes. I love Jennerstown. I, I, could, uh, I could spend all season going to Jennerstown. You know, since that track came back, um, I was there. I didn't, I didn't get there this past year at all. But in 18, I went twice to your shows there. It was stunning. I mean 7 or 7000 or so in the grandstand. Mm-hmm. And the crowd just goes nuts for your series. I was and of course it's such a fast little track
0: too. Yeah. And it they they not only go nuts for the series, but they're local guys. They support them. Oh yeah, like crazy. Time. Th- there's not many tracks you can go to, and when something happens, you hear like the the crowd gasp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's audible. You can yep. hear it, and it's just an electric atmosphere, and uh, such a cool track because it's somewhat flat, and it's a lot momentum based, where you know tires motor don't always come into play. That's right. Um. But continuing on with the schedule, the last weekend of July, the 25th, we'll be back at Salem Speedway once again in Indiana for the second year. The interesting thing about this year is with that being the start of the Summer Olympics, NASCAR's off, IndyCar's off, IMSA's off. Almost every major series is off that weekend. So I wouldn't say we're the only game in town because there are some other series that are announcing their schedules that, uh, that they do have events, you know, around that time and on that weekend but uh we might see some surprises come out for that one perhaps um uh we'll have we'll have more on that as it gets closer as well um teaser yeah second weekend of mid of august we're going back to midvale speedway this will be our 10th year there so we'll be celebrating a decade at midvale speedway um i think one of the last times i chatted with you and was on the show we were talking about the midvale winners we had a pair of First-time winners there last year, Uh, Ron Langdon, and then Mike Potter, the veteran racer, got his first Super Cup win there. Oh, wow. So so that was exciting. Um, Two weeks after that, we're back at Jennerstown. Um, We're still working out how the point structure and everything's going to work because we've done – In the past, we've done North and South Division. We might be changing that up a little bit. Um, But Jennerstown is scheduled to be the the start of our kind of championship series that kind of goes down to – um, who's named the champion, um, this past year going into our final race at Dominion, Kevin Cromer and Ron Langdon were separated by four points. Our longest season. That to was date. a tight race. Yeah. yeah. And Kevin Cromer ended yep. up pulling it off. Yep. Um, but yeah, we'll be back at Jennerstown August 22nd. We have a date reserved for September it's to be announced. And then we're closing it off again, um, at Dominion Raceway on September 26th.
1: Wow. Sounds good. That's a, that's a good schedule. And I know that uh, you still got a couple of shows to be announced. Uh, so we'll look forward to passing that information along as soon as you have it. But uh, it sounds like Super Cup is in for a pretty big year in 2020.
0: Yeah, we've kind of, we've kind of been on the brink of something big every year. We're, we're taking those kind of baby steps and gradually, um, gradually improving every year in certain spots that we can. Um our average car count wasn't the highest last year, but for the second straight year, we beat our previous year's record of number of different drivers that competed at least once. Well, that's good. So um, there's that interest out there. Um, folks are stepping up. And uh, if some could just not <laughs> shake off the monkey and, and yeah, get that bad luck out of the way, and maybe we'll have some more uh, supporting for all the races this year. It's an interesting
1: year. deal. I mean, here. I feel like, if everybody just understood the opportunity that super cup provides, but it just seems like it's this kind of secret that nobody really, and, and people can't quite grasp the concept, but it really is as simple as you're going to take a, an Arca slash K style car, and you're going to go racing on short tracks. You're going to get a hockey puck for a tire and you're not going to pay a bunch of fuel so, it basically comes down to, to travel. Um, it's a fun series to race. There are some really talented drivers in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it gets great reception wherever it goes. So, you know, I don't know why you aren't getting 20 plus cars a race. Yeah. And I hope maybe with the schedule now and with Lucas Oil and all of those, that maybe you'll get some more folks to actually look at it as a viable not only a step for a younger driver to get his his experience in a heavier car at 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 a one race i mean it's 50,000 or so to run super cup for a championship that's one race in an arca car yeah you know it's i mean it's a great alternative and i i just i've never figured out why it hasn't um it hasn't quite matured yet but hopefully this is the schedule and this will be the year that it does it's really a nice series.
0: Yeah, I mean, and like anything in racing, um, it, when you're promoting an event, whether you're running a series, whether you're running a track or anything, things always have to fire off on yeah. all, all yeah. cylinders, and the timing has yeah. to be right. All those kinds of things have to come into play, and it's it, you know sometimes it's trial and error. Um, but our 2020 rule books already on our site, SupercupStockCarSeries.com. Okay. No major changes compared to last year, so uh, you know all our current competitors don't have to really reinvent the wheel or anything like that um to come race again in 2020 sure um so anyone that's interested can review that they can uh, contact our director of competition joe Schmaling. um with any questions he's always very responsive and uh yeah we're we're really looking forward to 2020
1: well uh definitely an exciting opportunity certainly for the series to be able to to go out and run at lucas oil raceway park and i hope that'll be a a big show for all the series that are going there uh, because that's just a, that track is incredible. And I actually wish they would get NASCAR off the big track over in Indy and at least with the the Xfinity series, put them, put them at LORP. Cause I, I just think that track makes great racing no matter what you're running on it.
0: Yeah. I, I've been there once for the carb night classic. Um, obviously some different divisions right there compared to what's going to be yeah. there in June. But yeah, it, the racing was phenomenal And uh, the the other thing about this weekend and coming weekend in June, when all is said and done for us on Sunday, I'm probably going to go out to the big track because they're going to have Trans Am Racing. The the Sports Car Vintage Racing Association is going to be there at the big track as well. So there's something for everyone that entire weekend. You can bring the family, um, go downtown one night or something like that or go see the town of Speedway. There's always things to do in that Indianapolis area.
1: It uh it sounds great and I'm happy. Congratulations to to you and to Joe and everybody with the series to be able to to make that happen because that's a that's a big deal. The fact that it came to you and fell in your lap um, is very exciting. So we wish you all the best in uh 2020 and certainly a uh Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and your family and uh and Joe and his family and everyone with the series. I look forward to having you back on as things continue to develop and uh, we'll talk about them, you know, as, as, as they come by.
0: Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, happy holidays to you too.
1: And that is Aaron Creed. We're actually going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk with Kirk Ipock, who is the owner of the new uh, cars tour title sponsor, solid rock carriers. Uh, Kirk has just been so tremendous for late model racing in the South and uh, I'm really excited and honored that he would take a few minutes out of his evening to talk to us. So he's, uh, we're going to have him just around the turn. You are listening to Lead Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Back around the turn. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves a majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert helmets, Schroep belts, Adidas suits and shoes, fireproof underwear lifeline fire systems and even race com radio kits hms has the right product for your type of racing in your budget Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible with locations in mooresville north carolina and danvers massachusetts the staff at hms is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your specific safety needs you have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Just stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook. Tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent ya.
0: Hi, this is John Androsic of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road becomes everybody's business so please plan ahead designate before you celebrate friends don't let friends drive drunk
6: a public service announcement brought to you by rad the national association of broadcasters and the ad council
0: hi this is spencer boyd and you're listening to the race chaser radio now back to the show
1: Hello, welcome back to League Lap presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Joining us on the Strutmasters.com guest line is Kirk Ipock. Kirk is the owner of Solid Rock Carriers and Solid Rock has been one of the uh, most ardent supporters of late model racing on pavement. In this region of the country, uh, for those of you listening to us from somewhere other than the North Carolina region, we we come to you from Statesville, North Carolina, so the Carolinas region, um, for quite a while, and and uh, the announcement was just made that um, Solid Rock would become the title sponsor of the Cars Tour uh, for the next uh, two years, I believe. And um, I am honored that uh, Kirk would join us tonight to talk a little bit about uh how all of this came about and exactly uh, what his background is in the sport and how he got so interested in it. Kirk, welcome to the program. And again, thank you for taking some time out of your evening to talk with us a little bit.
5: All right. Thank you for having me on tonight, Tom.
1: Well, it's certainly our pleasure to do so. First of all, I'm curious because I've been around the sport. I've been a fan since five, so I'm 52 now. Um, So, you know, almost 50 years. But over thirty in the media and inside of the sport, doing various things. Um, whenever I see a company like Solid Rock, I uh, that that's that's so much a part of a certain area. I know that there's someone behind that company who just absolutely loves that particular type of racing or you know that region. Um, how what got you so fired up about motorsports? And give us a little bit of your background in the sport. Were you a driver? How did how did all of that start for you? What was the uh, the spark that lit the fire, so to speak?
5: I had a friend of mine about four years ago. <clears throat> I've always been a NASCAR fan. Okay. And I had a friend of mine about four years ago that invited me to go to Southern National Motorsports to look at a short track racing, which is only 30 minutes away from my house. I got you. And... I went to Southern National, and i seen the local guys, you know, they work Monday through Friday, and they work seven days a week on their race car, and they're like me. I'm a a seven-day-a-week person, you know, and working, and then I went down to Carter County Speedway, and I met Bobby Watson. i seen the dedication that he did on short track racing, and I just fell in love with short track racing, and then... I started sponsoring Mason Diaz and Tate Fogelman, and they ran a few cars races. Yep. And I watched the car series, and I was really impressed with the car series. Just like this past weekend, you see the drivers, when they put the helmets on and they race against each other, it's a of mentality, but at the end of the day, they can still talk about it and work things out and... I was just so impressed with the Cars Tour Series that I decided I wanted to help them because, I mean, I helped several cars in the Cars Series and I help a lot of cars at Southern National and I help a lot of cars at Carteret County and I just wanted to, to help, you know, I get a lot of people to call me wanting help and when I went to Jack at the Cars Tour and I told him when I wanted to do this sponsorship, I wanted to help everybody in the race and... I think the cars tour is going to spread the love and make it better for all the racers next year.
1: Well, that sounds uh, that sounds great, and it's an interesting background. So you kind of got into it just as a fan, more or less, um, and you you were a NASCAR fan who kind of discovered short track racing afterward, which is uh, somewhat the opposite of a lot of folks order of experience there like myself i grew up in the 70s going to my local track which happened happens to be happened to be the oswego speedway which is the home of the super modified so i i was watching supers run in the mid 70s and um and nascar wasn't even on tv yet you here you are a gentleman who was a nascar fan who really hadn't it sounds like hadn't necessarily Paid a lot of attention to the short tracks until a friend brought you to Southern National, which, by the way, is a great introduction to short track racing.
5: (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, you know, I mean, NASCAR back in the day, Tom, as you know it, is the grassroots. I mean, it's like going to Hickory Motor Speedway. Absolutely. You see the names on the wall. Yep. And if that doesn't bring chills to you, then. You don't really know what NASCAR was about back in the day.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I – go ahead.
5: Now, I understand NASCAR, you know, moving on, but they really forgot their grassroots. And like I said, you take Southern National, Carter County, Orange County, South Boston. I mean, I can name a bunch of them. And that's your grassroots. That's that's your people that go racing every Saturday night. A lot of them don't even have the money to go racing, Yep, but they love the racing. And like I said, I mean, I followed NASCAR for years, and I just love the grassroots
7: of racing.
1: Well, it's it's awesome what you're doing, and I know that you've helped out a number of racers. We had Bobby McCarty on the show a little while back, and uh, I used to announce some of the go-kart races in this area. Um, One of them was King of Concrete. Uh, up in Greensboro back in the nineties and, and Bobby or early two thousands, I guess it was actually. And Bobby uh, was then a, a, a Carter running in the junior classes there. Um, and now, you know, he goes on to uh, championship status of the cars tour. Um, you know, it's uh, he's a great racer. Uh, and I know that uh, he's one of the ones that you've given some help to, um, and it's racers like Bobby that, that need the help. And, and a lot of the racers at Carteret, you know, those are the guys that, that really need the help the most. And, and it's, you know, we need more companies like your company to be able to, uh, you know, to, to, to fall in love with the sport and, and, and want to help it to continue to sustain and grow.
5: Yeah, Well, like I said, I mean, if you go to your local track, your drivers are accessible, they're very appreciative, and like I said, they they work a nine to, uh, eight to eight to five job. I ain't gonna say a nine to five; they don't work at a Wells Fargo or nothing. But anyway, yes, they work all day long, and then they go work in the garage. You hear the wives talk about, yeah, he's out there till 12, 1 o'clock in oh, the morning. Yeah. And <laughs> I just, you know, they're. And like I said, I'm not taking nothing away from the NASCAR guys. When you make it there, you know, it's a it's, it's a different game.
1: Absolutely. But
5: yep. I, I just love these guys that put sweat and tears into their racing career.
1: Well, I know that uh, you've done a lot at Carteret County, and that has to be one of the most beautiful racetracks that I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, what Bobby and his group built there, is just absolutely incredible honestly uh and i i think that the fans that are lucky enough to be able to go there on a regular basis i mean it it's just amazing that whole facility is just a, a show palace
5: yes i mean it's just like when bobby before he passed away i mean at- he sat there and he told me, he says, Kirk, he says, I fought cancer and I still built this racetrack. And it is. It's, it's a beautiful facility. He even has the 76 ball that yeah. came from Talladega. Unical. He, 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 yeah, Unical. He, he's got signs from different racetracks from years ago. And he did. I mean, he put his heart and soul into that racetrack.
1: What, uh, do you have a particular... Memory from watching NASCAR in the old days. I mean, there, What stands out for you most when you think back to the days as a NASCAR fan? Do you have any particular memories that that kind of kind of jump off for you? My best
5: memory was when Dale Earnhardt won the Daytona 500. I was not a Dale Earnhardt fan. Me neither. But when every when every crew member come out on pit yes, road, yes,
1: absolutely, to
5: congratulate yep. him, that told me.
1: He was the man. Yep. I agree. And, and it was, I, I was not, I was not a fan of his driving. I have, I have learned enough about him over the years as a man to, to be a big fan of him in many ways, you know, off the track. Um, but that, that moment, I mean, you just, I was, you, you know, I mean, I, 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 I was just very touched and, and Mike Joy's, treatment of that moment the way that he called that on tv and described it um you know when you started to hear his voice break you know it it was really an incredible moment in the sport to see somebody who was that universally respected that every man on every crew wanted to take the time to uh to 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 you know high five him as he went by that was really an incredible moment for our sport in general
5: yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I was the only reason I was, was not an Earnhardt fan because I was a Bobby Allison fan, ah. and my father, he, he passed away in 97, but my daddy was an Earnhardt fan, I was a Bobby Allison fan, and when Bobby blew up, my daddy would call me, he says, "This Miller time, and <laughs> I can only get Earnhardt fans to bet me, and Earnhardt cost me a lot of money back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I can imagine he did. Yeah. He, uh, you know, it, 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 it's amazing to think about, um, when you, when you go back and look at those days and you look at the equipment that those guys drove, um, no power steering, obviously none of the safety advances that we have now, even the, you know, the seats were, were kind of, you know, um, uh, not really all, I can't believe they were all that comfortable, you know, and these guys, are just they're built like bricks and they're out there just hustling these cars around the track for five hundred miles somewhere. Pretty amazing.
5: Yeah, I mean I've I've seen Earnhardt get out there, you know, with a with a brace on from broke ribs, Davy Allison with broke ribs, yep. and, and had to run. You know what I mean? They, they had no choice if they wanted to run for the points, they had to run. And like I said, and and, I, and I'm not taking nothing away from NASCAR. I know no. things have to change. You know what I mean?
1: Well, no doubt. But I, I want to give a couple of
5: shout-outs on your show, if you don't mind.
1: Absolutely. Hang on, though, because we've got to take a break. Let's come back on the other side. We'll give you all the time you want to do that, and I want to know a little bit more about Solid Rock as well. So if you'll hang on, sir, we will be back right after this short break. You are listening to or watching Lead Lap, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety.
0: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds.
2: Hi, this is Chandler Smith, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio.
8: Hey, now back limpy. to the show. Hey!
1: That was kind of wimpy, actually. Welcome back to Week Lab, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. And of course, uh, our other sponsors as well, a major sponsor, strutmasters.com, the suspension experts, and mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. We go back now to the strutmasters.com hotline, and Mr. Kirk Ipock from Solid Rock Carriers has uh, been talking with us. We just finished our first segment with him. This is segment number two. It's also our traditional lightning round. We're going to kind of forego that in... Um, in lieu of or in favor of talking more with, uh, with Kirk. First of all, you wanted to give some shout outs, sir. And I want to give you all the time that you, you need in order to do that. We got about, uh, 10 minutes or so left in the show.
5: All right. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Mason Diaz. who just landed the ride in the Arc Series. Yes, he did. Good for him. With Venturi Motorsports. And I'm, I'm so happy for him and proud of him. Uh, Him and his father both, they are one heck of a team. Uh, You know, of course, Mike Diaz on Southern National
7: Motorsports.
5: And him and I met about three years ago. And just like with Bobby Watson at Carter County, it it started out as a business deal, but it turned into a friendship deal. And just like Mike and I were talking today, I I couldn't – I can't be as proud as Mike is of Mason, but I am proud of Mason.
1: Yeah, Mason's handled himself very well, and he's done a great job. And and uh, uh, I've enjoyed. He's run a couple of the uh, the the cars tour races of the past year or two, and I've had a good time talking to him. And he's just uh, he's he's a, a fine young man and a, and a wheelman too. I think he's gonna he's gonna do very well with Venturini in that series.
5: He is he, to be his age. He is very mature. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with him. And uh I got to give a shout out to Langley and Kim with Race 22. I've been with them the last couple of years as well. And uh they're good people and I just want to give a shout out to them as well.
1: Yeah, Langley uh Langley and I are friends and I'm proud to call him a friend. Uh he you know, he and I both think the same in a lot of ways when it comes to promotion and media and the sport in general and uh just a lot of fun uh, to be around and, and, and he's a very good promoter. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone at, uh, race 22, uh, and enjoy their content very much. So, um, I'm, I would like to know a little bit more about solid rock carriers. Can you talk about your company for a minute or two for us?
5: Yeah, we're located in Eastern North Carolina, LaGrange, North Carolina. Uh, my main hall is, Carrying uh, chicken up to the northeast, we run Pennsylvania, New Jersey, oh, New wow. York, Massachusetts, New Hampshire. uh We don't haul rock. Everybody thinks that we're a rock <laughs> hauler, but <laughs>
1: well, I can see why, I suppose. <laughs>
5: yeah, but when I when I named a company, the first truck I bought, uh, I went to a church that was underfunded, and the, the pastor had to close the church, and he said, "Well, I used to drive a truck and." He said, uh, I said, well, I always wanted to get into trucking, and so I got solid rock from the Bible. On this solid rock, all other ground, is sinking sand. On this solid rock, I stand, all other ground, is sinking sand. Absolutely. One of
1: my favorite Christian and, songs, yes.
5: Yes, sir. And that's that's where I got the name from, and the Lord has been good to me. He's blessed me, and, of course, you know, the, the, the Lord appreciates a gifful giver, and, you know... Like I said, it's it's just like these racers, they're they're dedicated. Uh Like I said, I'm not taking nothing away from the big boys. I mean, I know some of them probably appreciate it, but you know, never forget where you come from and appreciate who got you there.
1: Well, that's true. And you know, sometimes I think um and and I'd like to to know your uh opinion on this, but sometimes I think that uh, when these fans, you know, they label all these youngsters like Mason, you know, and they talk about them as being all spoiled little rich kids. And the reality is that that's, that's not always the case. And it's not even the case for some that most people think are wealthy or come from money. They don't always, um, you know, a lot of these kids are very humble kids who work awfully hard to get to the level they're at. And I think, you know, I, I, I think the fact that a lot of these short tracks started allowing kids to move up into the late models at younger and younger ages a while back um, kind of spurred all this youth moving in NASCAR. By the time these kids get there at 19 or 20, now they've had five or six or seven years of experience in the late model.
5: Yeah, but I mean, and you take Mason Diaz for an example. You go to Southern National, when Southern National puts on the show. Yes, sir. And Mason Diaz is one of the hardest, working people you'll see there him his girlfriend his mother and his daddy they're the hardest working people you'll ever see yep and like you said a lot of people think they are spoiled i mean there's some that are spoiled sure. I mean, i'm working i'm working on a deal right now that this kid's going got eight hundred thousand dollars to go run eight truck series races next year but there's 23 races right and, and he's 16 years he's 16 years old wow where, do you, where does the 16-year-old get $800,000 from?
1: Well, typically probably family money, but not always. It depends on whether or not he's he has done what he needed to do to build his brand and attract the money from somewhere else.
5: Right, exactly. But like, like you just said, a lot of people think these kids are spoiled and stuff, but like I said, you can go to Southern National and you watch Mason Diaz, he works harder than anybody else at that racetrack does.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah. And that's what you want. You want, you want drivers who are humble. You want drivers who appreciate it and you want drivers who are willing to give back. I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, why don't you have more, you know, of the top cup drivers on your shows? Well, it's because you can't get them. It's, it's, right. it's, they, they don't do very much media. If you're not, if you're not M R M P R N PRN, NASCAR, Sirius, Fox or NBC, They've barely got any time for you. And that's really the truth. And, you know, some of that is obviously wanting to, you know, have more time for family and such. But at the same time, you know, these these younger drivers, a lot of them really appreciate the opportunity to come on shows and and talk about what they do because they're trying to get to the top of the sport. And that's why we've always focused on the next gen. And we love talking with people like you know michael and he's been on our show a couple of times you know those are those are drivers that really appreciate what you do for them and it's honestly fun to talk to someone who's young we just had sean martin on one of the um, younger uh ump dirt modified stars down here in the charlotte area you know sean's 21 and and you know like a lot of others trying to to build his program up and you know sean uh Sean just couldn't wait to get in here and do radio. He was really appreciative and that's what you like to see.
5: Right. And like I said, just you know, when 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 they move up, just don't forget where you come right. from.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's exactly I'm, right. I,
5: I'm 50, I, I'm 58 years old, but I remember when, you know, my family, we there was five heads of us in the family, and we had to share a whole chicken. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's uh and that's the thing. I mean and you and you you work hard and earn your success and then you share it with others. That's what we're supposed to do, right?
5: That's that's exactly right. Yeah. But anyway, getting back to my company. Yes, sir. I tell everybody that I haul for a load on my truck is a load off of your mind. We are for hire. If anybody's listening that needs a great carrier, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I give 110%. Uh, they can look us up on the internet and uh give us a call and if you need a dedicated carrier, we will get the job done for you and that's that's what's made me what I am today because I do. I give 110%. I don't I don't put nobody on the back burner.
1: Well, and that's why, you know, we we take time out on these shows and we have a guest. If they have a company like you do with Solid Rock, we want them to promote it. And that's part of uh, the opportunity here to promote it to our audience who may not be familiar with you. So we uh, we're happy that uh, you you did that. And and if anyone out there needs a a trucking company, uh, give Solid Rock a call. You certainly uh, can't do uh, better than uh than kirk and his company and remember he's a huge supporter of motorsports and that matters uh we really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you kirk and uh and, and uh are grateful that you took some time out to call us and we hope that uh we can talk again as the season gets closer and uh, hope to actually meet you at one of the uh cars tour races in 2020 as well all
5: right well i appreciate you having me on tonight donald
1: absolutely and uh, merry christmas to you and your family sir
5: Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you
1: as well. All right, that is Kirk Ipock. And again, we are just grateful that he took some time to talk with us. Uh, uh, You got to give the sponsors some props. And Kirk does a lot of of things for a lot of racers in this area. So uh, grateful for that. Okay, as we get set to uh, wrap things up here, didn't even have time uh, to talk about uh, the news of Front Row Motorsports. Uh, No big surprise there. John Hunter Nemechek driving the 38 car in 2020 and his teammate, Michael McDowell, staying in the 34, the 36 car is going away. Two car team for Front Row Motorsports in 2020. And uh, certainly happy to see John Hunter get his shot in the Cup Series. Of course, DGR Crosley also going to Ford from Toyota in 2020 and Uh, Tanner Gray running a full truck series season for DGR Crosley. We have not heard yet, but we assume that Todd Gilliland will also run uh, trucks for DGR Crosley. But again, that's our assumption for right now. No official announcement has come out, but they are now a Ford-based team. And keep your eye on Haley Deegan's uh, whether Haley Deegan, whether she may switch to Ford or not for next year. That's it. We are out of here. Thanks to our sponsors. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you in 2020.
2: See you guys.
0: You've been listening to Lead Lap Radio powered by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Lead Lap Radio is a race chaser media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content,